Tara and Martha, be thou my vision. What a wonderful reminder of our great God. Would you turn to Psalm 29? Psalm 29. Just so you know, this all started because of Mark. Um, in fact, he brought, and I'm, you know, while I'm thinking of it, Mark, uh, would you mind preaching, uh, giving a message on what you brought to us at the leadership retreat on Psalm 27? So he encouraged our hearts on Saturday morning at the leadership retreat with Psalm 27. So I started Monday at Psalm 27. I continued and I stopped at 29. So it really is his fault that we're here tonight and it's God's leading that we are here. Psalm 29. Some of you know that I have the privilege of being the chaplain at uh, Find Great People. It's where my wife works. And um, it's interesting, uh, about a year and a half ago, the CEO, John, um, called me and said, hey, I want to ha- have some coffee. I want to talk to you about something. And Vicki had already given me the heads up. And he said, I'd, I'd like you to consider being the chaplain for our company. And uh, it's interesting because uh, this is not ne- necessarily John's thought, but in circles of business, it's considered um, of values, of family values, to have a chaplain in the workplace. Um, well, John is interesting because he was—he um, spent some time in the Navy. In fact, I think I believe he was a controller on an aircraft carrier. And as he introduced me to the group, which they knew me as Stacy, which is Vicky's husband, but now I'm the chaplain. He said when he was on the ship as an air, on the aircraft controller, uh, aircraft carrier. He said the busiest office on the ship was the chaplain's office. The, the man's door was always swinging, people coming in and out. He said what he learned was that in, in life, you're either in crisis, coming out of crisis, or about to go into crisis. And so he said, Stacy, would you mind being a chaplain and being on call for us? And so I stopped by during the week. Well, what he learned is that everyone is in crisis at some point in our lives. And a crisis is a storm in our lives that seem to envelop us with its fury. It's a storm that is seemingly overpowering us. The storms of life are often so great that it is at the point where we often feel as though we will be overwhelmed with that storm. So we often feel battered and buffeted by the raging storms of our lives. The thunder echoes in our hearts, the thunder of failed ambitions, of relationships, of, of dreams that are fallen aside, of physical, monetary, all those things that come in our lives. And as a believer, often we are tempted to doubt our God. Is God great enough to rescue me? Is God great enough to comfort me? And one set of lies that the adversary tells us is along the lines of God isn't good enough for us or God doesn't care enough or God isn't strong enough to take care of you or just to sustain you in the storms of life. But Psalm 29 paints paints a very stark contrast to that lie. Psalm 29 says that there is a God that is sovereign over your storm. A God that is greater than anything that can be thrown at you, that's greater than any sea. 
is greater than anything that, t- that seems to overwhelm you, that it might overwhelm us. So if you're in a storm today, this psalm is for you, this psalm is for me. Let's dig into the psalm. A couple things I want you to watch. So I want you to look for these phrases or these words, the voice of the Lord. And when you see Lord capitalized, all the letters capitalized, this is Yahweh. Okay, the voice of the Lord. Look for the word glory, the word thunder, strength, peace, and then finally the phrase king forever. All right? Psalm 29. First of all, we see that we are to bestow upon the Lord all that is due him. We are to bestow or to give or scribe to the Lord all that is due him. That, that is the first word. You may have it translated give. Uh, Nasby has a, a scribe, but really the word is to bestow, to, to give, to, to lay at the feet of this one. Verse 1, ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Now, who is speaking here? Well, we, we're told this is a psalm of David. And, but it seems that he is, while in his poetry, speaking as one, speaking to divine or heavenly beings, possibly angels. We're not quite sure of exactly what it is. But he says, look at this in verse 1, the sons of the mighty. And, and it does seem to be angels or, or those heavenly beings who praise God. So give unto the Lord, Yahweh, Give unto him, O sons of the mighty, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Now, this is interesting here. Glory and strength. Uh, These two words will reoccur often. It is the glory, the greatness, the grandeur of God. Now, can we add anything to God? Can we make him more glorious? No, what he's saying is you're not giving some of your, your glory and your satchel to God. Is that you are to, to give or to scribe or bestow, to call attention to the greatness and the glory and hear the strength of God. So the call, first of all, is to bestow upon God that which is his due. Ascribe to the Lord, verse 2, the glory due his name. Our Lord is great. All glory, all praise is due him. All glory is due him. Worship the Lord in holy array. And I believe in this instance, the holy array is referring to God's holiness, his majesty. So as we give, as we call to him, we give unto him the glory that is due him. We worship his name. We worship the Lord. And the picture of our God is magnificent. It's transcendent. It is one of, that is all holy, completely full of honor. This is the God who is all-powerful, who is worthy of our honor and worthy of our praise. He is holy. He set apart. This is God. And that, notice that, first, that last line, the worship of the Lord. This is bow down. See, the other phrases were give or bestow or ascribe. This final one is to bow down before him. Remember, we've talked about this fall, what worship really is. It is the, the bowing down, the, the prostrating ourselves before our great God. And here it is, the holy ones, all of us, as we are called together to praise our God or to worship and to bow down before him because God is worth it. You know, this is more than recognizing that God is wonderful. He's strong and great and majestic. This is offering or giving to him all that we are and all that we have because it is worth it and he is worth it. 
He is worthy. See, praise and worship is much more than saying good things about God. It's much more than saying, God, you're wonderful, you're great. It's not that the words that we say are to give us a warm and fuzzy feeling when we worship. No, instead, it is to bow down before God and to offer to Him only what is due Him, which is everything. God is worth it. So that is the opening declaration in verses 1 and 2. That's the declaration. Now the psalmist is going to give the reasons of why we are to do so. And so secondly, first, bestow upon the Lord the glory due him. Secondly, though, know that the Lord is greater than all. And the psalmist is going to list out lots of illustrations to prove to us that God is greater than everything. God is greater than anything. So let's watch it, verse 3. The voice of the Lord, and notice this phrase often through here, the voice of the Lord, and, and, and we'll say this aside because this is the next line here, it is comparison to thunder. So God speaks, uh, thunder has nothing on the voice of God. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters, upon the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many or mighty waters. Waters here stand for an overwhelming force that would seem to overtake us and to drag us underneath its grip. You see what here, the imagery of the sea and the storm, the mighty power, the Mediterranean um, Sea has some pretty ferocious storms. I remember the New Testament, the book of Acts, and Paul is on a ship and it has been buffeted by the storm and they are throwing off everything. And... uh, about ready to throw off people. Um, anything to keep it light and keep it on top of the water. This is the imagery that David is writing about. This is the imagery of a storm that is great and powerful, yet the voice of the Lord is, is above all of that. He is more mighty than the storm. He thunders, and the storms listen to him. Reminds me of, of uh, the, the disciples. They're in the boat on the Sea of Galilee. And it's the storm comes up and Jesus is asleep. Lord, don't you care that we're going to perish? And he wakes and he speaks a word. And the sea is calm. The rains are gone. The wind is gone. The voice of the Lord, verse 4, is powerful. It is powerful. Indeed, great and mighty. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Okay. As a tenor who sometimes tries to sing bass, you know, I think of a majestic voice is the bass voice. <clears throat> is the bass voice. Um, and I think of a... But that's nothing. That is nothing compared to God. It is not the timbre of the voice. It is the one behind the voice. And that voice, the one behind the voice is great and mighty and majestic. Oh, what a God that we serve. A God that is powerful. And we experience the waters that may overwhelm us in our personal lives we know that this Lord is above those waters. He is over those waters. His voice is powerful. It's thundering. It's majestic. Often we listen only to the voice of the storm. Often that is the only thing that has our, our attention. That which, is te- which seems to overwhelm us, we listen to that instead of the voice of our God. The voice of God is over all of that. He is more majestic. The interesting note here is that and in, in the time or 
prior to the time of David, the senior god of the Canaanites was Baal. So Baal um, was a god that was revealed in the storm. And there, the Canaanite mythology, um, Baal won a victory over the sea, the god of the sea, and became the ruler of storms and sea. And you see what the psalmist is doing here. This god is greater than your god. This god is greater than any god that you might set up in your life. This, greater, this God is greater than the God that I may set up in my life. Even though I am a follower of God, I may think of something as more important and make no mistake, our God is greater than all. Our God is more majestic and more powerful. He beats down the gods of Baal. And over and over in the Old Testament, we see the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God of David winning out. Next we move to um, these things here uh, of sea, from sea to to cedars. Uh, Verse 5, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The the voice of the, uh, the, yes, the Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. Now, you say, okay, trees. Yeah, well, the cedar tree was, and this etching, it's a large tree. And if you remember, in the time of the Old Testament and even times now, the cedar tree especially was used in the construction of David's palace, of the temple. This was a great, durable, resilient wood. It was a mighty tree. It was a tree that took some effort. In fact, it was, you know, as David and Solomon later on after him, as the, as the temple's being built, uh, they, they contract with the king of Sidon for Entire for those trees, those cedars of Lebanon to be cut, to brought into Jerusalem. They're great and mighty. They're valued. But look what happens. The, the voice of the Lord, the great God, breaks the cedars. And this word here is, is kind of like, you know, smashes them in pieces. This is not like it. there's any strain in this. God doesn't strain to break the cedar. A resilient tree, a tree renowned for its for its, um, its strength. No, he breaks and he smashes it. And and look at the and the psalmist used some stepped parallelism parallelism here. But the Lord not only the voice breaks the cedars, the Lord breaks in pieces. Okay, little bitty fine splinters everywhere. Fill in your own, you know, computer graphics to make this real to you. Uh, fill in this that it's an explosion. It just it's smushed. This is our God. This is our Lord. And then he goes to, since we're talking about Lebanon, he makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian or Mount Hermon like a young wild ox. And this is interesting here because he goes from the seed from the, the seed the seed of the cedars, the trees, to, to nations, to countries, to, to mountains. So the Lebanon was above uh, the land of Israel. But he says, um, you know, lands nations don't, we don't think of them as skipping. We don't think of mountains. And Mount Hermon is about 9,000, the top of the mountain, 9,000 feet high. It is the, it is the mountain there, the largest one on that, that ridge. And so you have this, but when God speaks, when God acts, nations, mountains quake before him. Now, we've been through a, a very unusual political cycle. And if we are tempted, no matter which side of the aisle you may be upon, 
We are tempted to think that political power is the greatest power, and that is the most important power. And here, the psalmist says, no. By the Holy Spirit of God, nations, nations bow to the will of God. Nations move out of the way when God moves. Mountains move at the voice of God. The voice of the Lord hews out flames of fire. He speaks fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. See see the progression? Sea to trees to nations to mountains to the, the vast wilderness. He shakes the wilderness. He shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. And so there in, in two verses there, he goes from Lebanon at the top to Kadesh at the, the bottom, the land of Israel. Of all of the world, but from north to south, God is powerful and strong. And when he speaks, it all shakes. It all trembles at the voice of the Lord. Even so much so, this is... The, one of the most unusual verses, I think. The voice of the Lord makes the deer to calve. When he speaks, strips the forest bare. I've not been, I've not seen firsthand of a, a forest firing and how it strips the, the forest bare of anything. But I did in um, a small way see how bark can be trimmed off a tree um, years ago prior house lots of trees annoying trees with leaves um, my sister-in-law this is when the kids are really really young sister-in-law was taking care of them Vicky and I were out somewhere and just as she was putting in the, you know, the Winnie the Pooh uh, VHS tape yeah that long ago uh, VHS tape in that and lightning struck the tree outside and the static electricity came down the antenna. Yeah, those those days the antenna, and uh, it went poof, and there goes the VHR, VHS, the v, yeah, VCR. And she, when we got home, there's a strip of bark about fifteen or twenty feet long, just like just peeled off the tree, and it was a huge oak. I couldn't put my arms around it. Peeled off, lying in the driveway, and of course it, you know, it shocked her a bit. Uh, Kids, I don't know. They probably thought it was fun. Um, but it was interesting because after we sold the house, the next neighbors had to cut down the tree because even that, the hit of the lightning and the, just the peeling off the bark, it killed the tree. It died. And that's just minor compared to God's power. A little bit of electri- static electricity in the air and a little bit of fire from the sky peels the tree down but God his power is much greater than that and all these things into verse 9 and in his temple everything says glory see the picture of God is so vivid and stark by the psalmist that There is no other response than to bow down and to cry out that God is glory. God is glory. If all nature quakes before God, if all kings and queens and powerful nations, if mountains, if deer, if 
cedars, if trees, if all of this quakes before the Lord, it starts to put our quaking in perspective. Because what is shaking us does not have the power to shake God. See, the sovereign of the storm, the sovereign of your storm is more mighty than your storm. All creation, all power of men must kneel before him. Be in awe of God. Be in awe of God. Next verses, we find number three, that we are to find strength and peace in the Lord. We are to find our peace and our strength in the Lord. And so if this was music, for you music geeks, this would be kind of the recapitulation of the, uh, of the theme here. Verse 10, the Lord sat as king at the flood. And I would underscore that this is the flood, the flood of the Bible. The Lord sat as king. It really does speak of his judgment because the flood was in judgment. Wasn't it? It was in judgment over sin. The Lord sat as king, past tense, as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits currently as king forever. Past, present, forever. This Lord is king. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. This king, now and forever, this king of the past, and this king, the hope of our future, sits over judgment. He sits over the future. He sits and he gives strength. See, what's remarkable about this psalm is all of the quaking and all of the power and all of the things that would overwhelm us, in the midst of that, God gives strength. It is His to give. It is His right to give. And He gives it. God is not capricious to say, nah, you want some? No, I'm sorry, I'm not giving you this one. Okay, We've all been kids. We've all seen kids who do. Uh, toy with, you know. God gives strength in the storm. God gives peace. He will bless his people with shalom, with peace. And so you have this declaration that strength and peace are from the king, from the Lord. This God, the one who is over all, the one who is sovereign over our storm, this God gives peace. He gives strength. For the storms that are raging around us, the storms that threaten to overwhelm us, God gives strength in the storm and God gives peace in the storm. Eighteen times he uses Yahweh in this psalm. Yahweh was the personal name that God gave to the Hebrews, his people. 
And so it doesn't say the Lord as in El Elohim or Adonai. This is Yahweh, his name that he gave personally to them as if to say for us that this God loves and cares for his children and he gives them himself. The sovereign of the storm is great, powerful, and mighty, but he is not only transcendent, but he is eminent. He is right near. And that fights in the face of everything that we feel sometimes. We feel that God is not here because the storm is so loud around us. The storm is buffeting us. We are like Paul, or the sailors around Paul. Who are we going to throw over next because we've got to make this boat lighter? And I guess it's me. And we are tempted to think that God is not stronger than our storm. And that we tend to think that because we are in the storm, that God does not love us. Or that God is not good himself. And that is exactly opposite of what the psalmist is teaching here by the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit writes to him that this God is great and mighty and powerful. And even the storm, know that he is stronger than everything. He is stronger than what comes at you. And that in the storm, he gives strength. And in the storm, he gives peace. And so we must find our peace, our shalom in him. No one else. Nothing else. Nothing is greater than God. Nothing gives peace more than God. To sum it up in a, in a phrase, since the voice of the Lord is more powerful than any storm, you must find your peace and strength in him. The king, the thunderer, the shaker of all things, the one who is majestic, the one who is holy, who is glorious, who is all-powerful, this king is our king. This one is the one that we worship. Would today that we find our peace, we find our strength in God and God alone, who is the sovereign over your storm and my storm. Let's bow for prayer. And God, by your power and by your might, we come to you. There are many storms that threaten to overwhelm us. And today, there may be personal violent storms affecting us. And oh God, would we know that you are here? That even in the storm, you give peace, you give strength, that you are sovereign over our storms. And Father, thank you that you, by your grace and your mercy, have given us your word, which is quick, which is powerful, that has the ability to find the point of our need and then to liberally apply the grace of God to that need. And so God, may we find our comfort in you as we read your word, as we ponder and contemplate the greatness of who you are. 
Father, as we seek to encourage others, may we point them to you instead of our help. May we encourage them with the words of Jesus to be at peace and be still. Because our God is much greater than any storm. Oh God, would you do a work in our hearts. Father, encourage us. We know that sometimes you will allow the storm to go on and bear us up during that storm. Other times you will end the storm quickly. In both situations, we praise you because we know that you are God. So work in our hearts. Comfort us by your word. Encourage us to see who you are. Encourage us that we do not have to fix or to fight the storm. That you battle for us. And may we find our strength and our peace in you. May you receive the praise and the glory. May we bestow upon you all the glory that is due you as we witness you work in our storm. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.